0: Welcome back. My name is Chris. Um, I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the podcast. The podcast. Four stars. (laughs) That way everybody knows it's a podcast. Have you heard of podcasts? Podcasts. They're they're a thing. Yes. What this one's different. This is three straight white dudes talking about movies. It's never been done before. Mm. We're paving new ground and we're scared. You know, when when you. I feel like, what's his name? Neil Armstrong. He was probably frightened. When he took that first step, one small step for podcast kind, one Mm -hmm. small sub for man, (laughs) (laughs) one, one giant five star review for all mankind. Ooh, there we go. Because that's a good show. Mm. Yes. Nailed it. (laughs) Uh, Today, we're very excited. We're going to be talking about Green Knight, the newest film. theaters to us just actually to everyone as as of this recording it's today but we saw it last night because we're fancy press podcast Mm -hmm. it's actually available on thursdays in this part of the country but they don't know that
1: yeah we just show like a-list past a-list a-listers no big deal no big deal uh i will get in the line for popcorn please i get to cut all the
0: people that aren't in line yeah (laughs) because no one's (laughs) at the theater (laughs) but don't worry if you haven't seen green night yet there's going to be a lengthy spoiler free discussion and prior to that even lengthier non-Green night discussion of other things. A girthier discussion, I'd say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the bulk of the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's the bulk of the package, for sure. Yeah. Um, A whole banana hammock of content waiting for you guys. (laughs) If you'd like to email the show, please do. You can write into streamingthingspod at gmail.com. We'd love your feedback, especially as we go through these shanges as they say in France. And they help me out there, but I'm pretty sure that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a way you can also I have reach us offended all of our French listeners.
0: <laughs> With your voice as well. That sounds spot on, it's not offensive at all. Thank you. Yeah. Oui, I,
1: actually, oui. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a Muppet French. <laughs> like a French Muppet. Like oh ho, ho, baguette <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Stefan. Joining us all the way from Francais. Yeah.
1: But you can call us, too, if you want to give us How do you do that? poor French impersonation. You can pick up your phone and dial these digits. They are 859-757-4051. Uh, Stephen V. recently sent us an email. Stephen or, uh, the fifth. Uh,
0: he sent us a voicemail, and we appreciate you. Thank you so much, Stephen. Stephen, we do love you. Love you, Steve. Love you every day. You said that was a poor French imperson- impersonation. So what does a rich French person sound like?
1: Uh, <laughs> Wee we, we uh-huh. I have my
0: pinky up. That—that's
1: uh, the difference.
0: In the video format, that joke landed. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So we've got a, a, an action-packed show for you here today. Let's jump right in to crossing streams. <laughs> Crossing Streams is the segment where we, each week, inform you, the listener, on things we've been watching since last we met. And it is cleverly titled Mm -hmm. Crossing Streams because we are streaming things. And we're crossing them. It's a crisscross applesauce, baby. It's a water metaphor. I don't like to brag a whole lot, but it's pretty deep, the thoughts we had when we came up with that. With the water metaphor. I don't have time to get into it right now. Mariana Trench. It's actually talking about how when two dudes pee and they try to cross their streams at the same time. That was the illusion we went with. We're going to be honest. Uh, I thought it was a Ghostbusters thing. Oh, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I meant. So, Andy, what have you been streaming? I've been
2: streaming the creek, dude. Okay. That is Shit's Creek. Really? You've been yeah, watching that finally? I, I
0: finally jumped on board. This is a um, much beloved show. I've never given an, uh, the time o' day. Yeah, I was
2: going to say have either of you watched it? I've seen the first six or seven episodes. Oh, okay. So you've mm-hmm. seen more than
0: me
1: uh,
2: at that point. Um, Let me spoil it for you yes, right here, please. right now. Go ahead. I don't remember it. All <laughs> right. Um, dude, it's really good. Like, as far as a pilot, it is the most solid pilot where I really got a feel for the show. And they, it was well made and entertaining usually a pilot's like you kind of give it a pass when when you're watching a show it's like okay they didn't have much of a budget they probably were doing this if not on spec then with very little budget before they had had it ordered to series so we'll 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 let this one slide but episode two better be a banger but no episode one was a fucking banger awesome it was really good so Shit's Creek uh it's streamable on Netflix I think there's six seasons uh it's created by Eugene and Daniel is it Levy or Levy? I think it's Levy. Levy. But okay. I don't know for sure. I'm not confident. That's just what I've always said. Yeah, I've always said Levy. Okay. Okay. So we'll go with Levy. Eugene and Daniel Levy. Uh, also starring them, as well as Catherine O'Hara, uh, Annie Murphy, and Chris Elliott from uh, Scream 2. The uh, strong hand. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big Chris Elliott uh, fan. <laughs> so the IMDb synopsis of Shit's Creek, it's uh, when a rich video store magnate, Johnny Rose and his family suddenly find themselves broke. They're forced to leave their pampered lives to regroup in Shit's Creek. Uh, shit is... Uh, Chris Elliott's character so far, uh, his name's something shit, and uh he's the mayor of the town. So it's about these super wealthy people that are suddenly ousted from their mansion and have to go stay in a motel. And uh dude, it's fucking hysterical. It's really good. There's lots of crack crack jokes and uh homeless people jabs and uh really god like, i love those homeless people homeless jabs people jabs <laughs> i love it when done, comedy punches it's tastefully down done because, <laughs> it's basically done because it is it is a fish out of water story so you're it's supposed to be you're looking at these people and thinking that they're reprehensible it's kind of like watching um always sunny in philadelphia like they do some horrible fucking shit but it's funny because you're supposed to hate them for doing it but still love them because they're good people at heart. Yeah. There's kind and of there's layers. Absolutely. The tone that I think that the show is starting to go for very early on in it. Really. It's just me trying to catch up with the hype. So usually crossing streams, we try to recommend things to other people. Hey, you might not have known about this. This is me trying to catch up on the thousands of people that <laughs> I, I don't know. thousands, The dozens of people that have told me how great the show is. No, you know? It's thousands. Doodle. Um, it's wonderful. Thousands of
1: people have been yelling at you. <laughs> You how do you sleep? They're just like lined <laughs> right. up out the fucking block.
2: <laughs> Andy, watch it's Creek with me, and you're like, no, I'm trying to sleep. So uh, comparatively, the other thing that I watched, um, and I think I might have talked about it on this show before. I don't honestly remember. I started rewatching the Netflix show Love Sick. I've I know I've talked to Chris about it. It used to be called Scrotal Recall. Ah, oh, Scrotal which Recall. Was, that's oh, the worst yeah, name show recall. ever. That's At right. least that made
0: it stand out.
2: It did make it. I honestly, I thought that Love Sick was the better title, like when you know what it's about, because it's, it's essentially about a, a man's search for love, but it's also the fact that he got chlamydia and has to reach out to all of his former lovers and tell them, hey, mm-hmm. I have chlamydia. And so you might have it too. And so Love Sick is actually pretty. I'm- Pretty excellent title, yeah, Double Entendre. More I, will, I will
1: say you were just like I watched Love Sick, and I had no memory of it. But the moment you said Scrotal Recall, I'm like,
2: oh, I know that show. Does, <laughs> that that title does stand out. So that's created by Tom Edge. As I said, it's on Netflix. Uh, it unfortunately has come to an end, and I'm very sad about that. Uh, I felt like Scrotal the- Recalled. <clears throat> nice, <It's> pretty <laughs> got him. Scrotal. Got- High five me, Chris. Cancelled. Yeah. So it stars Johnny Flynn, who is a British musician. He also recently starred in the David Bowie uh, biopic um antonia thomas um and uh daniel Ing's i think daniel ings is this pretty much the only thing he's been in but antonia thomas is pretty prevalent now uh so the imdb synopsis for that after he finds out he has an std dylan must get back in touch with every girl he's ever had sex with to let them know the bad news and he goes through alphabetical order and so every episode is named is named after a girl and we kind of get like a flashback to the time in his life when he ultimately ended up sleeping with this person and uh dude it's so wonderful it's so heartfelt. It's so funny. Uh, I love British sitcoms. I I, I think that they have this unique tone that we have not yet managed to recreate. Now, sometimes we'll take their property and we'll do better like The Office, you know, but oftentimes there's just something about a British sentimentality and humor that American television just cannot quite grasp. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a prime example of something that is uniquely british but absolutely wonderful that said the pilot not super great and that's the juxtaposition of watching both i watched both those today i've been busy as shit so i didn't get to watch a whole lot of stuff i spent most of the day fucking with camera equipment (laughs) um preach my man right hello it worked but But, uh (laughs) right um but uh I I know where the show goes and I know how wonderful it becomes. And like the pilot has its moments and it's one of those things. Like if you go back and watch it after you've already finished the show, you can appreciate what they're doing and how they're setting things up. But as far as like really establishing the story and establishing these characters and make you, making you care about them and running with that world that they've created, it doesn't do a great job of it to their credit. I mean, it opens with within 10 seconds, he finds out that he has chlamydia and we know that, it's Abigail that we're going to find out about, and uh, it, we're, we're right in the thick of things, but it, we don't quite know the characters enough to really care, and some of the humor doesn't stick right away. Thankfully, the show got picked up and ran for a while, and uh, it, it's fantastic. I, I I know you've seen maybe the first episode with me. I'm sure I drunkenly sat you down and said, hey, we got to watch this at some point. Let's <laughs> watch *Scrotal Recall together, not, guys. <laughs> I don't think you've ever done that. No? Okay. Um, but maybe. Well, I got and who about, in the hell were you with we a couple more of these <laughs> <laughs> He's with one of the
0: Shits Creek guys.
2: Um yeah, uh
0: Love Sick. Look it up, Netflix. It's fantastic. That's Love Sick and Shits Creek on Netflix. Steve, what have you been streaming? Well, uh first off, I would like
1: to Formally thank you guys for taking over and running the show while I was sick last week. You guys did an oh, yes. awesome job. If I Speaking do say I love myself, uh, I streamed last week's episode of Streaming Things. It was really really good. You can find it on anywhere you get your podcasts now. uh The two hosts, Chris and Andy, really nailed it. And at the end of the fifty-five minutes, I was really sad and wanted more. Uh, so that's Streaming Things on Apple Podcast. <laughs> but for real though, uh sorry I was sick last Wait, week. Did guys. you rate
0: and review? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Says everyone who listens. Yeah, I know. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah it's totally. Uh, but funny thing about last week's episode, right? So mm-hmm. I was sick. Obviously, I wasn't on it. Mm-hmm. But in the lead up to that episode, in the preparation for it, I was like, "Oh, we have to. Uh, we're going to be talking about Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe." but I, I fell Oops. ill. I listened to the episode and the episode starts with Annie going, yeah, I watched like 10 minutes of it and bouncing. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even list, uh, even try. And then meanwhile, I'm like, I watched all fucking six episodes.
0: <laughs> Did you like it though? Did you do that on purpose? Was I right?
2: Eh. Uh, right about what? about it being, like, really good if you give a shit about Masters of the Universe. Oh, Otherwise, I think it's just another Saturday morning cartoon. I think if you really give a shit
1: about Masters of the Universe, you will definitely get more out of it. Okay. Um, the first episode in particular, I do agree with you, where it has so much lore packed in. I equate it to, uh, listeners, if you've ever seen, like, the 1987 Transformers cartoon movie. Uh, where the first third of that movie is just a giant battle between the Autobots and Decepticons. And they kill off a bunch of popular characters to make room for the new toy line who are going to become the new main characters of the Transformers cartoon going forward. And that's what happens in the first episode of He-Man. They kill off a bunch of main characters. And then the second episode, it, it, there's like a time jump. I think it's like five or ten years After the first episode. Oh, shit. There's like a time jump. So you see like what happened in this world after this big battle that happened in the first episode. And really, it's interesting because like calling this. I don't know. I I don't want to get too spoilery, but there's like a really big like you would not expect the main characters to be who they are for the actual show. Um, So for that, it's interesting. Um, I do think it is a poor man's legend of Korra. If anyone has ever watched the amazing show Legend of Korra it is very similar to that but because it's only and I think the detriment mostly lies in the fact that it's only six episodes long so you can't really you're not really with the characters long enough to really get the the storyline beats or the emotional beats for that matter that you get in a Legend of Korra Mm. Uh, but yeah it's a group of you know four characters that are like we have a goal to save the world and we're gonna go and try to do that and every episode is like a new challenge and with a new antagonist that we have to kind of overcome somehow and we'll learn things along the way. Uh, the big detriment to the show is there's a couple brand new characters. I, they're not, uh, previous Masters of the Universe characters they're they're brand new to the show but because they're brand new they're they're pretty pointless because so much focus is given to the you know the old characters that fans know they don't really give any development to the newer ones so like when those characters are like in any sort of peril or danger just kind of like who the fuck is that again what do they do why are they here all right whatever hey they made it cool Uh, (laughs) and then the, 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 the 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 my big problem with it uh, the final episode now i know this is part one there's going to be a part two to the season that releases sometime later in the year
2: oh i didn't know
1: that similar okay. to what they uh, netflix is doing something similar with the um transformers war for cybertron series where they kind of release it in parts uh so this is technically for the first half of season one but the way that see uh, this first half ends is so um It ends on a cliffhanger. Like I told Andy, because I didn't know when I watched it, I didn't know this was part one. I thought this was the season. So when it ended, I'm like, wow, that was a bold choice to end a Netflix series on a cliffhanger because who the fuck knows if you're getting picked up again. This isn't (laughs)
2: 2015. Shit gets canceled now.
1: Yeah. Uh, And the way it kind of, the, the new kind of twist that comes up at the end of it kind of resets everything to the first episode in a weird way and it's not in a satisfying way you're kind of like well what the fuck was all that growth and shit that we went through with all these characters and okay like i guess i i really don't know what the decision was behind that i guess it's just more of a you know raising the stakes is where could you have gone from you know the story they were telling like how could you make those stakes greater but uh, anyway it's it's okay um i think it's definitely for a kid's show like th- Andy, I think last week you say they nail the Saturday morning cartoon aesthetic. And I a hundred percent agree. It, it's, it's really beautiful. It, it has that feeling, but also there is just a touch of adult. Um, I made you look just a touch of, uh, <laughs> of like adult themes, meaning like an adult could watch this and like, Oh wow. The stakes are really high that you don't necessarily, you don't, you wouldn't get in most Saturday morning cartoons, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> other than that, While I was six, similar to you guys, I watched the season premiere of Ted Lasso season two. Which of course was wonderful. Okay. Good. I was very sad to find out they're they're doing it a episode by or week by week episode release. So the first episode ended, and then it just like started playing Schmigabadoon. I don't know. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> did you watch it? It's so bad. No, I'm not gonna watch that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it started auto playing that. I'm like, no, 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 play episode two. And they're like, oh, that's it. I'm like, oh. Well, they
0: did that last season. It just they yeah. drop uh, like the first three episodes. I think of brand new shows well i was bummed because when i watched
1: ted lasso it had already completed true so i like streamed it all but that day or that weekend i was feeling sick so the next day i woke up and like well i'm just gonna stream all of season one of ted lasso in a single day <laughs> nice. and i did and, and you of felt course better i did feel better because ted lasso is life M- not football ted lasso is much life. like
0: for danny rojas football is life ted lasso is life for us here at streaming things, but also death but yes, Ted <laughs> but Lasso is also, also death. But also football. <laughs> Ted Lasso is also Ted Lasso. <laughs> That's right. Did oh you guys know I got a notification on my phone that the episode two has dropped today? Mm-hmm. I got
1: that while we were setting the mics up right now. Yeah. yeah. Very excited. I look forward excited. to watching that when I get home. Yes. The last thing I want to mention is something I just started getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've I've only consumed the first episode of this. It is actually a podcast. Podcast. Okay. Um, it is a different type of podcast than mm-hmm. you. Is it streaming things? Uh, I've already mentioned streaming things. Okay, i yeah. just wondering. Yeah. No, this one is called Edith. Uh, it's mm-hmm. Edith with an exclamation point. Oh, okay. that's why. <laughs> you, Edith! That's why you pronounce it Edith. Uh, no, Edith uh, stars Rosamund Pike as Edith Wilson. Uh, it is a scripted comedy podcast exploring the untold trueish story of America's secret first female president, referring to Woodrow Wilson's wife, Edith woodrow wilson if you don't know your history suffered a paralyzing stroke in the white house and they kind of hid it from everybody specifically edith hid it from people and it is like highly speculated that for a couple months a couple like a good stretch of time edith wilson was running the country oh shit um uh, like not but like not and she shouldn't have been yeah. technically
0: but she I, was. I went to public school dude and i don't know any of that shit yeah, uh, for our listeners that don't know steve is a president nerd i am They're all monsters. Please see our Uh, Steve's (laughs) President's Day trivia episode.
1: Oh, please do. That was a fun one to do. Uh, But no, Rosamund Pike plays uh, Edith Wilson. Clark Gregg plays Woodrow Wilson. Um, And the first episode is really cool. It kind of sets the stake of where she... It's almost like a house of cards thing where she is. She kind of directly talks to the audience like this is who this guy is. He's mm-hmm. kind of a piece of shit, but I can watch what I do. And like she kind of manipulates him and she's got a little buddy. And the, the reason I like about it is like it's dealing with actual historical events and historical people to the point where like there's some
2: characters from like, oh, who's that? Oh, that was the attorney general of the time. What's his story? Oh, he sucks. Cool. And uh- <laughs> dude that's bold to do another president story and do the uh, breaking fourth wall conceit because that was kind of house of cards thing yeah it really was but the the, the
1: the reason why i like this is it's like if you listen to any sort of um even though this is a scripted comedy show it definitely feels like if you were to listen to a um what do you call that improvisational comedy skit podcast there's just that element of like hey everybody how you doing i'm this character now all right bye and then like you know what i mean <laughs> that, that that improvisational actor high energy delivery sure um so it's it's kind of infectious i still and- stand by middle ditch and schwartz i'm middle ditch got oh, that's a great show canceled, but, but yeah uh separate the artist and the art yeah <laughs> uh or listen to Spontaneous nation that's a great you know i've mentioned that before that's a great uh podcast as well but that is what i've been streaming go uh download edith on uh, podcasts, apps everywhere you can also watch master of the universe on netflix and you can watch ted lasso
0: on apple tv plus chris <laughs> i been have streaming? been streaming some things sorry i was way too eager there i was like i don't want to miss my cue and then i jumped in too early actually you know what <laughs> you jumped in just right what are you talking about i even pointed at you and you like started talking dude you crushed it certain weeks you're really proud of your crossing stream segment and that is this week for me i've done some some heavy lifting for us this Ooh. week there's I've been one that you stream that we almost streamed, and I'm really interested. I screwed it up for you. Andy. Was it Masters of the Universe? I'll start with that. <laughs> no, we didn't even think about that. Once you were sick, we were like, okay, thank God. Oh, thank God the nerd's not here. We can actually watch stuff. <laughs> so the first film I watched was called Werewolves Within. And it was, mm. a, it was a rental. I rented it on Apple TV, but I'm sure it's available so on Amazon. <laughs> did Andy, you not watch it? Andy wanted to watch it here together after the podcast, but I was tired and uh, my wife wanted us to like cuddle or whatever. And so I was like, I gotta go. I didn't know he had already rented it. Cuddled or whatever. She's like, I'm gonna stay up and watch it. And I was like, whatever, Andy, you get to watch everything. Cause you just, you're a single man. So then. I went home and did watch it that night anyway. And Andy had started it even, but didn't. So his rental expired. So I rented it
2: because when we were doing the episode, just the two of us, we had said, well, what if we watch this and then we can review that on the show? It'll be like how we used to do our episodes. It'll be like fresh off the couch and right, right to the mics. And so we, uh, fucked around and we're dealing with things. Uh, you had a work phone call that took forever. I had a work. Oh, I was also working while all this was going on. I was working during that podcast, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, I rented it and then hit play and ha- had it primed, ready to go, and then I went and made some food, and then we sat around and talked about what we were going to do on the show, and eventually it was like, if we watch this now, it's going to be really late when we start, so we didn't, but I had already hit play, and then I forgot about it, oh, so I didn't no. get to watch it, so I donated $7, I'm going to have to uh, rent it again. Oh, Andy, you
0: saw Werewolves Without, <laughs> <laughs> but- Andy missed out is the good news that I have. So Werewolves Within Within is directed by Josh Rubin and written by uh, Mishnah Wolf. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. So this movie is about it's an adaptation of a video game uh, where werewolves attack a small town. Are you familiar with this video game, either one of you? I know that I know the name based on video game. Yes, I had no idea, but no, I've never played that video game. It's a video game. I think it's also a board game, uh, like uh, sort of a. Oh. Are we talking like NES era? Wait, like are you Zombies? Ate my neighbors? I honestly don't know. Then? I just read the IMDb it's description not, and heard Jeff Canada talk about it. It's a social party game. Werewolves. It, it is, I believe. Where like you try to guess who the werewolf, who the werewolf is? Okay, yeah. Yep. No, I play that game all the goddamn yes. time. So it is a movie based on that. Oh shit! Aww. Now I definitely need to watch this fucking movie. Oh and my god, I love werewolves. It is wonderful. It stars Sam Richardson. Um, who I'll be talking about more here shortly. Steve's a big fan of his, I know. Um, Milana Vayntrub. Sprint girl. um, Is the best known for her uh, Sprint commercials. She is the co-star of this film. And it's it's kind of a Knives Out-esque, Clue-esque whodunit as well. So it's a super, one location, at least one small town. You get introduced to you know, nine or 10 characters in the first 10 or 20 minutes. And then shit starts popping off. People start dying. You don't know who it is or what it is. I mean, you know, because of the title, you assume it's a werewolf. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe not for sure. Maybe that's a misdirect, right? So um, Sam Richardson plays this um, like forest ranger who's been relocated from his previous city for reasons you don't know. Um, So he's the, um, Andy always has a special term for it. Um, I zoned out. I'm sorry. <laughs> fish out of water. <laughs> fish out of water. There he, he's is. the fish out of water. I'm not uh, listening to the podcast. So. <laughs> right. I'm going to listen later. It's cool. <laughs> so he's introduced all the characters through uh, Milana's character, uh, the Sprint Girl's character. And as shenanigans immediately ensue. Everybody's like crazy personality uh, goof, goofballs. Uh, but Sam Richardson especially is funny because he's leaving his ex-girlfriend, but he really loves her. So when the film opens, he's on the phone with her, like leaving a voicemail that's extremely long. Like, hey, I'm really gonna man up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what you said. I'm gonna find my own bearings, and then I'll come back. And, that's and we'll a good be. impersonation. Actually, yeah. <laughs> we'll be together forever. And then eventually, it's like message not recorded you know he's just like this pushover super nice guy and she's clearly uh, been emotionally abusive to him and you kind of find that out as the movie progresses so that's the backdrop the the B plot if you will of this I wouldn't even call it a horror movie there's some gore but it is it's it's chuckles all the way through highly recommend werewolves within it was worth every penny of the seven dollars. Unless you didn't watch it at all. And then it was a complete waste of money.
1: I think that that could be a fun bonus episode of the show idea as we get a couple other people to join us and we all play a game of werewolves.
0: The way that you said that, that, I know you have like a tickle or something, but it sounded really sexy. And we all play a game of werewolves. I didn't know why you said it so husky. Who's
1: going to get my silver bullet in? (laughs) Whoever, whomever, I'm
0: sorry. Sorry, we were, Bill. We were, we were
1: playing uh, werewolves one time and uh, in the game of werewolves, you all have roles, right? Mm-hmm. But no one knows what, you, what everyone game. is. So some people are werewolves, some people are villagers, other people are like other characters. There's this character called the Oracle and the Oracle can pick people one round at a time. Like, hey, I want to know who Andy is and then I can find out if you're a werewolf or not. And then when it's discussion time, you can you know control that narrative. You were not the one. I was not the Oracle, I was just a villager and just because this was like the fifth round of werewolves we had been playing that night, I decided, you know what? I'm just going to fuck with everyone because I'm chaotic neutral. And (laughs) I was like, I guys, I'm the Oracle. I know who's the werewolf. It's that one. And I just picked someone at random and she was so fucking mad at me because <laughs> she, she was the actual real Oracle. So it became this like, no, I'm the Oracle. And everyone's like, it split the room as to who's going to believe which one. And I'm like, she's a false prophet, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they all believed me. So and you don't I know who's the, the okay. Wait, wait, wait. You don't know who the Oracle is either? No, no one knows. So, how does Oracle have any power to make somebody reveal their true nature? Well, it's, it's, you you have to be
1: strategically because sometimes it would benefit you to come forward, like, okay, guys. I am the Oracle. I do know for sure that Andy and Chris are werewolves. I am the Oracle. But also, you could lie and say you are, like I did, or you can just say nothing and play it close but to the chest. But there's no stakes for you because you're a villager anyway, right? So
2: Yeah, I was just a villager, so...
0: Like, you're just getting bored. <laughs> I was just getting bored. <laughs> might
2: stab him with a silver stake anyway. That's because fair. Because they think he might be a werewolf, right? What? They, they might kill you thinking yeah. that you're a werewolf, even though you're a villager? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm so so pretty sure, I, I'm I, pretty got sure I got them to kill her
1: like among us
0: kind of right yeah you're acting sus
1: (laughs) 9 you're acting sus Nine. what's the other what's the other one that's like secret hitler is it like a clone of that yeah there's uh, a bunch of them like that one
0: of them there's a mafia one one iteration was played uh sort of that's what i think of at least the one in inglorious bastards where they have like the celebrities on their heads oh yeah um, but only you can see everyone else's. You don't know what's on yours, and you have to mm-hmm. guess what's. I like that too. Yeah. Anyway, I don't drink, but I mean, I would like to play some of these games, especially werewolves. That sounds fun. Sounds yeah. like a hoot. We could do it on live. Let's do it. Um, I kind of burped while I said that. Let's do it. The, the next thing I watched, also with a lot of Sam Richardson, is "I Think You Should Leave" on Netflix. All right, um, you I'll guys. See you. All
2: right, it goes both ways. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> so yeah, watched, yeah, I, know.
0: I actually laughed extra hard at that <laughs> sketch, just knowing how much it pleases you. <laughs> I actually relaughed later, loading the dishwasher, thinking about you <laughs> laughing at it. If that makes any sense, um, uh, it's a sketch comedy show. I think everyone else on Earth has seen before me. Is that that's correct? Right. I've only seen the first two episodes of season one. I watched the first four or five, but I was kind of cleaning the house through episodes four and five, just because everybody on the internet seems to absolutely love this show. Oh, it's real um, funny. It's very funny. Yeah. It's really off the wall, and not everything. I'll be honest; not everything lands with me at back. all. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of stare at it like what the fuck they're making that yeah yeah they're taking swings but some of them are so absurd i have this roller coaster of like chuckle this isn't funny it's definitely not funny he's still going there's a whole nother side to this bit it is funny you know what i mean like he'll just take it to the like the far furthest extreme that he can think of Uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but he'll have like a bit like I'll just make one up, like a garbage man it falls in love with the with the milkman and then like a dinosaur will come out in the last two minutes of the twelve minute sketch. And you're like, what? And then like they'll carry that out as long as they can. And I'm like, okay,
1: I'm in I think a perfect representation of that madness of skit style is the one where he's like has this ever happened to you have someone have you had plumbers come into your house and yes and then it like evolves and like and then they start yelling at you and you can't be part of this and 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 then they start jumping on the bed (laughs) and then after like four minutes of this guy getting increasingly exasperated he just ends it with
0: does it ever happen to you? Like this is. <laughs> well, one of them that I was thinking of, I uh, just remembered it now. It's it's another infomercial with, like for a medication or a spinal uh, surgery. You know what I'm talking about? I don't remember mm-hmm. it. So it's um, an infomercial about um, lower back pain limiting your life, keeping you from loving your family like you want to or, or engaging in your hobbies even. And it's like a guy trying to play tennis, but he's like, ah. well, with a small incision in your back, we can make that right with spinal surgery or us or whatever. And then it's going on. But then like the third testimonial is always Tim Robinson and he's like now I can finally beat my wife's new boyfriend's ass you know And <laughs> but then it'll go to the other normal people and then back to him uh, and like the there's this little old lady that's like I can lift my grandchild over my head now and then he comes to him and he's like I can lift my son over my head too and he can't do shit about it and it's a grown ass man and he's like come here you little bastard and <laughs> <laughs> but eventually it goes into the the third guy doing a testimonial and walking in. I can finally get money back from my old recording artist who tricked me into thinking I was going to be a star and took 10 grand from me. And he storms in. You think that's going to be a quick thing where he like beats up the recording artist. But then he like starts yelling at the recording artist and the recording artist is like, I didn't trick you. You're going to be a star. I made it a star. I got a new track and the Q tones are perfect for you. And it, it goes on star, and on and on until he's eventually recording again and everything. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is this show? Um, <laughs> you would love it <laughs> there, there's one thing i forgot about the original conceit of the oh, sketch is what shit. i mean like and i do that many times watching it yeah actually i i only watched the first
1: ep- two episodes because i think there's something he did very specific he did it like seven or eight times in both episodes where I, I don't even remember what the word it was but he like called a poo a very specific term but he kept using that term in several shit poop I don't even. I don't remember mud what it pie. is. Mud pie. That's yeah, right. Yeah. He kept calling it mud pies, and he he said it six or seven times in different skits in the two episodes. Like, quit calling it that. No one says <laughs> right. that. I've never in my life heard someone call shit a mud Go pie. drop a mud pie. <laughs> That was such a weird hang-up for me. I don't know Yeah, so
0: I'm turning the show off.
1: That's not what shits are
0: called. (laughs) How dare you try to make that propaganda stick with me. But that's, I think you should leave on Netflix. Um, I don't know that it's the work of pure genius that everyone is saying it is, but I'm not all the way through it, but it is definitely worth a watch. It made me laugh. Um, Also, I rented a film called Zola. Um, I've talked about this many times. It's written, directed by uh, uh, Janice Zabravo. and it's a it's about a stripper named Zola who embarks on a wild road trip to Florida. And this is all based on a stream of wild tweets way back in like 2013 or whatever. So this was uh, it's a film adapted from 138 tweets or something. Like she just went on a rampage tweeting this story that was who real. She says it's art true, is dead, right? But. I always knew this film was going to be interesting and I was always excited to see it. I never, I didn't get to catch it in theaters. I paid $20 to rent this movie. Like, you know what? Fuck it, because I'm going to miss it. It's going to be one of those things where when I go to watch it, there's going to be something slightly cooler sounding out. It was one of the few things in life you knew was that you were going to see Zola in the theaters. That week, and then then I did not. (laughs) I forgot about that, but thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Just to remind me of my lack of power in this world. Sure thing, buddy. But I highly recommend it. I I think this film will be a cult classic in a few decades. Um, Super goofy, um, dark, but also kind of... Hilarious in many ways. Um, so, what's the general conceit of it? Uh, a stripper on a wild road trip to Florida. So, Taylor Page plays Zola, and she's a, a young waitress, and she runs into uh, a character played by Riley Cuff. It's probably Cuff if it's Irish. Keo, Keo is it Keo? Think, yeah, um, played by Riley Keo, and her uh, pimp. Essentially, you find out later, um, but they're eating lunch. She's serving them. They hit on. Uh, she hits on her. While she's serving and she's kind of intrigued by that. She convinces her to go dancing with her, which is, you know, stripping, actual mm-hmm. stripping. Um, she makes a bunch of money and she's like, girl, that was crazy. And then, you know, had a good time. Whatever, secure that bag, girl. I get it. Everything, nothing's amiss yet. Um, because she doesn't know that that's her pimp. You know what I mean?
2: Okay.
0: And uh the next day, uh Riley Keo's character texts her and says, Hey, do you want to go to Florida? There's a place down in Florida where I can dance and make five grand a night. We spend a couple of days there, we come back, make a bunch of money. She's like, you know what, fuck it, I'll do it. Because she's at a place in her life. And anyway, turns out that's a pimp. Her actual boyfriend is with her as well. He's played by Nicholas Brown, who is a um, who the guy from Succession. I don't think you guys ever watched that amazing, phenomenal, groundbreaking show on HBO. But he's uh, a huge character named Greg in that, who's hilarious. He's perfect for this role. He's like this super pushover. Makes Sam Richardson's character in Werewolves Within look like a strong male role model. Um, <laughs> and like just, honey, why are you? Don't don't fuck anybody again. You said you weren't going to do that anymore. Like it, it's it's really dark, but it's really funny. Um, and anyway they ended up getting posted on Backpage which was a thing back then when these tweets were around and uh, the Zola character is like "Oh hell nah and she gets roped into all this there's gunshots and robberies and craziness and all of it's yeah. supposedly true and uh, yeah it's really well done the filmmaking's great because at one point uh, Rally Keough's character like the real woman that that's based on actually created a Twitter and responded with her own version and it was hilariously reenacted and then because it cut to her and they break the fourth wall periodically and she's like let me tell y'all how this bitch and me fell out and uh <laughs> <laughs> and it's like i was a good christian lady and now she's wearing like this Cretan lady <laughs> yeah i'm a creature lady. lady she was on this like neck button up pencil skirt like church dress all of a sudden but was still <laughs> with the neck tat and chewing the all gum right. and like and this nasty ass bitch walked up you know <laughs> it's just <laughs> like complete different version of the story. It was clearly not true. That's cool. And it was hilarious. I like that. Um, she's the one that started getting everybody trying to have sex with us. And then they all wanted me. And she got super jealous. <laughs> she a jealous ass bitch. And like, I don't know. I'm doing a <laughs> probably inappropriate impersonation. But the movie's hilarious. I had a great time at like nine in the morning or whatever strange time I chose to watch it. That is Zola available for rental. It'll probably free to stream soon. So you could just hold out um, if you've maybe... Rented Hold movies recently and it didn't work out or whatever yeah. the situation might be. Old the line. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Old What did I do earlier? Braveheart. Oh, Marvin the Martian plan in Braveheart. I'm not gonna do it again, but it was awesome heard oh, <laughs> damn when i did it uh, legally i also watched legally blonde which is you guys yeah yeah big fans yeah it's available on netflix uh it's a 2001 film that i remember watching oh my with God. my mom and dad and i loved it it stars luke wilson selma blair holland taylor and jennifer coolidge uh and did i mention reese Witherspoon? <laughs> i was about to um, say you're missing one key important role <laughs> I, this was just a, a landmark of my childhood i was what 12 13 when this came out um and i was like you know what i love this movie my wife will totally watch this with me it's like this or harry potter most likely honey would you like to watch legally blonde and she's like hell yeah and so we sat down had she never seen it no she loves it but oh, like okay. there's very few things like if i'm like hey do you want to watch this experimental art house film she's always kind of nat on that and i'm usually nat on watching harry potter for the 18th time that day so uh, how dare you <laughs> right right i mean they're great films But uh, Legally Blonde holds up. Patronus is a wet blanket. It holds up. and It was so good to see Luke Wilson uh, in something that wasn't a Wes Anderson film. Like, you know, just this normal, charming guy. He also (laughs) does not age. Yes. It's a weird family. Paul Rudd is. The pact with the devil that he and Paul Rudd have forged.
1: Did you guys ever see 310 to Yuma? Yes. Of course. Do you remember Luke Wilson's random ass James James Mangold
0: film? I don't remember
1: that. No, I don't recall. He's like one of the, uh, do you remember the like three-fourths in the movie where they have to does go Does he have to a like tunnel. a
0: five o'clock shadow?
1: Mm-hmm. He's got like a beard, but he also has like insanely yellow teeth, and he's like the henchman of like a fl- far lesser-known actor. That actually is jarring my uh, memory, yes.
0: Yeah, I, when he shows up, it's like, is that is that Luke Wilson? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Why is he in that role? <laughs> 310 to Yuma. Of course, I've That's seen it. It's a that great film. movie. So anyway, I'm sure you've all seen Legally Blonde. I just want to let you know, if you haven't seen it in the last 20 years, like me, it is at the 20th year anniversary of it, and it does hold up. It's, I cried. I don't remember that why. Was one of those substitute I'm a softer movies.
2: I watched it a bunch in high school. They played so. it in school a bunch. I did oh, in yeah. school. Oh yeah, dude, your public good. school experience is far different than my public school experience. Amp and band <laughs> and snap.
1: Um,
2: that's a recent watch joke. Anywho, so what, what class did they play that in? Science um, <laughs> or maybe the law, social studies. I'm pretty sure my anatomy sub
0: played it more than once. Anatomy that yeah. actually tracks. Huh. Okay. Well, and then finally. One last thing I know is a lengthy crossing streams from Mr. Chris. I watched a movie on Netflix called Blood Red Sky. I know Andy's heard of this. Have I've you heard, heard of it, it, Steve. I don't think I have. Hideo Kojima said it's amazing, but it's Hideo Kojima. I, so whether or not it's actually amazing, is... Hey, you know, I love Hideo Kojima, so... I absolutely adored Blood Red Sky. I thought it was an awesome film. I think Hideo Kojima is right. Not to name drop him a fourth time. Um, Dude, it's about, don't don't say it a fifth time. We'll summon him. <laughs> <laughs> man. It's about a woman with a mysterious illness. And she is forced into action when terrorists hijack a transatlantic flight. And that illness, I'll just say, because it's very much part of the conceit is vampirism so she's a vampire oh this is the vampire in the plains yes people were much like snake on the yeah, plane But if, okay. if the snake was a vampire uh, but it's really interesting I, i'm a huge fan of let me in and let the right one in um mm-hmm. one of the few situations where the adaptation from america is actually really good but i like both those movies but what i love about that movie is it's it asks the question like what if like a good person became a vampire and uh how would it track in the real world how would they navigate that mm-hmm. and this is what this is it's just a normal lady who loves her son and she's trying desperately to fly from germany to america to get the treatment that a doctor promises he can give her um, and she's using like medicine to kind of like not fully transform so and it's a long story why but and then terrorists hijack the flight and shenanigans ensue people start dying she gets wounded And then like there's blood, obviously, and it's really good acting because it's pretty low budget. They've got some nice prosthetic makeup on her when she transforms. But just like the twitching and the way she holds her body, uh, it's all her and it's extremely impressive. Um, But the story is unique and probably pretty much timely because the whole plan of the terrorist hijackers is that they had these machinations where four or five uh, Muslims were on this flight going to what they thought was a convention And Mm. so they plan to blame the hijacking on the Muslims. Oh, interesting. And they actually like kidnap them and make them read uh, in Arabic this like manifesto. And and anyway, so that was like... I'm from
2: Brooklyn. (laughs) Why why would you have me
0: read that? Right. And uh, it's got a cold open, which I always kind of question like how... When writing this, if you're writing a feature film, when do you know that this is necessary to like start at the end, play for five minutes, and then just go back for no reason? I'm like... Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like I always think that's like they fine. did a flash forward. They did a flash forward, okay. but it's like, when is that necessary? I guess it's kind of neat because you you're putting the pieces of how it could end up to where you know it gets, but it's also kind of strange. Like, I think um, it's just a trick that a lot of filmmakers use to try to hook people in right away. True, like you get a little bit of an adrenaline rush well, right out, right we off the get top there. Right, I mean it's kind of fun because you typically about 50 minutes in forget that that even happened you're or just kind of invested it can also
2: establish an expectation
0: that you ultimately subvert true yeah the there you go that's, that's clever that's i like works. that i like that Wouldn't i don't know that do it was that? necessary in this film because once it gets there it would have been almost better if i just had no idea but anyway that was a long way around to saying you should watch blood red sky on netflix it's also interesting because it is a foreign film it's directed by uh, peter thorworth um but most of it is in german but some of it's not. So it's like, it's a weird hybrid. Like eventually they get to America and there's like, fbi agents and stuff that are and then some londoners as oh, well interesting so they're just speaking like hey get on the plane these motherfucker you know they're like there's no german language required there so i i don't know that i've ever seen too much of that that's pretty cool i like it i mean you see that in a bunch of american movies where they
2: go to another country and now they're not speaking english you know it's, yeah, right, it's interesting but- to have the shoe be on the
0: other foot true yeah there you go i guess i never thought of it that way because i'm um centric geocentric that's the word i don't want to say xenophobic because i'm like i'm not that uh, <laughs> Whoa. geocentric Whoa. <laughs> i'm a selfish bastard um, so that's blood red sky available on netflix and definitely worth a watch andy you'll love it because it's creative horror yeah. and i know you're into that you dig that um, you actually inspired me to watch it nice and that brings us to our check the gate segment <laughs>
1: Checking guys, checking the gates, Check the, gates, gates, the,
2: gates. Check, the gates. Check, Check the gates. Gates.
0: Check, Check the Check it. Check it. See, I always I'm paranoid Check now. I don't want to be cut off by myself in the past yeah. ever again. I nailed it on the episode you weren't on. Did you you remember that part? Did you notice that part? No, I jumped I, in at right the right time. I'll be honest, you're so you're
1: so self conscious about when you jump in on this. I'm part, trying to be a I better jumper inner man. I never understand why
0: you you're so hard on yourself because I don't think you're, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you're, there's a problem. Please write into streaming things pod at gmail.com about my jumper inning. And whether or not you Two most
2: dangerous words in the English language are good job. So, yeah, (laughs) sorry. We need Chris on his A game. Not my fucking tempo. What
0: is this? Whiplash? The podcast. God. Um, Check the gate is the segment where we here at streaming things bring you the listener, all the hottest, steamiest, freshest piles of TV and film news that you can get literally anywhere else. Yeah. Heard it here, third. That's right. That's our motto here. So. The House of Gucci character posters dropped. That's the Ridley Scott film starring Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, and I believe, uh, what's his name? Shitty Joker. Joaquin Phoenix? No. Jared Leto. Wow. Jared Jared Leto. Dropping bombs, Andy. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Shitty Um, Joker movie. I'm sorry. He's a wonderful actor. I just couldn't remember his name. Yeah. Jared Leto as well. Um, Did you guys watch these or see these? I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. Yet, it's no, really so. unique looking. I like the art direction. It's it's funny. Google Jared um, Leto's character, House of Gucci. House of Gucci. Uh, it's really hilarious. All so the the prosthetics and the makeup that they did with him. He looks oh. like. Um, damn it! I'm messing it up. He looks like Paul Giamatti looks now. Basically, you know what, <laughs> what I mean? Awesome.
1: Holy shit!
0: Yeah. So I'm really <laughs> excited for that? this I'm film. I'm trying to get a bigger image to whip it around. And yeah, see. you want that
1: way? You won't well, be squinting. Yeah, that's the. The what but I got? Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: didn't they do a good they, job? Yeah, that's a really good job. They did a great prosthetic work on him and gaga look like looks stunning i'm google for gaga
2: kind of looks like lemony snicket lady gaga. a little bit like the not him but uh, count
0: whatever no yeah exactly but also she just the way that there. they have the art direction of those shots and stuff like oh, the yeah. lighting and stuff um the colorizing there he is there's adam driver looking dapper
1: mm, maybe that pinstripe suit I'm oh, sorry to derail this. Uh, I've been seeing a meme going around with Adam Driver recently. I saw it. I think it was a TikTok video on Twitter, mm. but it's him in a diner and he takes a sip of a soup and then just goes, good soup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so, I haven't seen it. It's that, so good. Is that
0: from a movie? Been, I'm, it has to be. I really want to know. It what might be Patterson. From. not. It might be Patterson. Okay. I really hope you not. think it's just him I at a want diner that to be him. <laughs> you, <laughs> you just good want that to soup. be
1: Adam Sandler getting really hyped about his soup. Yes. Because he, he like he makes that noise and gives like the okay But he's but by he, himself. But he does the okay symbol to the bowl of soup <laughs> on the table. Like, good soup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want that to it, be how driver is, is. It is heartwarming. It is heartwarming and the only other bit of news that i have is that uh scarlett johansson is suing disney i'm sure you guys have heard about this it was all i read it and it
2: was very slanted against scarlett johansson which is crazy i was yeah and then i was reading about yeah it's like everything i've read has been very slanted towards disney correct yeah wait against
1: disney against disney like they're in the wrong
2: gotcha yes the one that i read i only read one just because i wanted to find out what was up It sounded like, no, absolutely. They totally breached the contract. She had money that she was opposed to make based on... So you're in the ScarJo camp.
0: 100%. Team ScarJo. I am also Team ScarJo. Unless she got
2: like a percentage cut of streaming royalties on top of that, in which case... I don't think she did. So
0: I got in an argument because I'm an idiot with some friends that I was playing video games with last night. And I happened to kind of read these uh, titles out loud. First, I'll say Disney fired back today because the news dropped yesterday. Did they they, clap back? They they Mm clap back. And they released a statement... That they are appalled, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have my phone handy because it's recording a TikTok live. But essentially, Disney is appalled that Scarlett Johansson would be so insensitive and selfish during such a unprecedented and horrific time, such as the COVID-19 pandemic. Sounds Was like there- a
2: rapist <laughs> lawyer. We can't believe that they would make these nefarious allegations against my client, who's never fucking done a bad thing in their life, and we look forward to defending ourselves in court. He is a goddamn saint.
1: Oh my God, Andy! I cannot. And then they go the to truth. jail. Yeah, I can't handle the rating, truth right now. Like
2: 30 people. Step yeah. on me, daddy. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, when you brought that Driver, I immediately thought of John
1: Oliver like, crush me, daddy. <laughs> Step on me, you giant fuck mountain. <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's uh, it's that,
0: very dickish. But if you want to get into the mind of a prick, what they said immediately, um, not Disney, but the guys I was playing video games with, well, first one was like just not having it at all. Like, she's so rich, who cares? That's so who gives a fuck, which I understand his stance he's in poverty trying to play video games mm-hmm. but i'm like no i mean there's a principle to it she signed a contract so essentially for those that don't know and everybody knows the the controversy is that she agreed to a upfront fee and then a percentage of back-end sales which is very standard for instance for Endgame, i did a lot of research arguing with these guys last night for Endgame, robert downey jr was paid 20 million dollars and then received 8% of back-end sales for a total of $75 million. For, and he had 35.5 minutes of screen time and in-game. Um, and then for, I think she got, no, this is from my friend. He claims that she received $20 million for Black Widow. She did. And but then he said that in the article I read anyway. Had an agreement for a back-end percentage. I don't know what the percentage was. But... They took a lot of the sales from that that go straight to Disney+. Plus, and I assume she got none of the $60 million that was raised on Disney+. Plus. Well, the, the reason I think that
1: the lawsuit happened was because in the contract, it was like, yeah, you're, you're going to get this percentage. If anything changes, it is up for renegotiation. It changed because they put it out on the streaming platform, which wasn't in the original deal. So she was trying to get them to renegotiate their deal since it changed. And they essentially just ignored her and like didn't respond to her until finally she was yeah. like, okay, lawsuit, because you have changed the terms of the agreement. I am entitled to a renegotiation. Right. No, agreed. hundred percent. It's so dumb because, uh, and I understand a lot of people are like, ah, oh, she's rich. Who Who gives a shit? Like, I totally understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, it's like Disney thinks they can get away with this. And a lot of major studios think they can get away with this with other actors. And if they think they can pull this off against someone of the high caliber acting quality and stardom power as Scarlett Johansson, then who's to say they're not doing that to every other uh, small time actress just trying to make it in the business. For sure. And so I think what Scarlett Johansson's doing is incredibly admirable because she's using her status, she's using her platform and microphone that she inherently has being a celebrity to advocate. Obviously she's making a ton of money off of this, but I think what people are not maybe putting two and two together is she's also investing a lot of money into the lawsuit because lawsuits aren't cheap, especially if you're going over the House of Mouse lawyers. Mm-hmm. You know She's going to be investing a lot of money and not getting quite as much as a return as you think. And I think she's doing this more on the moral platform um, so that other yeah. artists like herself don't get taken advantage of by the corporate uh, bigwigs at yeah. uh, Disney.
0: Oh, Disney, oh, excuse you,
1: you, me, oh, trying to get egg on my face. Oh, oh <laughs> where's my money? Ha!
0: <laughs> yeah, I told I, you I would get twenty
1: percent of backends.
0: <laughs> that was my original. Like, there's this guy I'm playing. videos games with. Like, she's got tons of money. Who cares? And I'm like, that's your argument over. Fuck it. Let Disney keep it. Like, Disney's not <laughs> flush. Yeah. Like, first off, that's a complete non sequitur. If you owe someone five dollars, you can't say fuck them. They have two hundred. Mm -hmm. that's still their $5 regardless, right? So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because it took, I mean, TikTok by storm and I know Twitter was blown up about it and everybody seemed to be in ScarJo's camp as far as like personal opinions. Um, I didn't read too many articles about it. I need to find the article on the other side. I don't want to get too like you know, fucking
1: Breitbart, uh, social justice warrior on this podcast, because everyone knows the bleeding heart liberal that I am mm. draw that sword. of justice, But, uh, Steve. let me draw my sword of justice here. Uh, I highly doubt that Disney would ever try to pull some shenanigans like this with, I don't know, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Mm. Or Chris Evans mm-hmm. or Chris Hemsworth. Maybe the one woman who is as, who's been in the Avengers, Marvel, cinematic universe longer than anyone else, except for maybe, um, Oh shit! I'm forgetting her name. Pepper Potts, um, Gwyneth uh, Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. But she's the most impactful actress in that franchise, and they like refused to give her a movie for so fucking long, and she did the job, and you know because she knew it was important to fans and all, so she was making a bunch of money. Like I seriously doubt they would try to pull the shit with another actress or actor if it was a man, a male actor. Yeah, I percent.
2: I did wonder whether this has anything to do with the recent decision that they came to regarding the MCU that uh Kevin Feige, do you guys remember hearing this? He said that they're not going to do long-term contracts anymore. It's like a, hey, if you don't want to be here, if you're not excited to come to work, then we don't want you to come. Essentially, <laughs> the uh kind of argument they made is fucking crazy. It's like absolutely a Gen Z, like, you know, oh, if you're going to take sip time off, you're really going to fuck over your coworkers. It's like, <laughs> no, your man- poor management is not on me. It's kind of what they're doing with the be grateful, you son of a bitch, that you're in an MCU movie, yeah. you know? And so I wondered if, like, trying to pull one over on ScarJo was kind of a, okay, if you make a stink of it, you're done. Yeah. And, you know, now that we're talking about this, like, I just am reminded of, you know, you look at all the different stars. What are they going to her
0: character?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good nice. point. But no, I'm reminded of, like, of all the different actors and actresses that have been in the MCU over the years, even though we love these movies. Think of all the different controversies that have happened specifically from the the actresses like when the poutro they like didn't pay her a couple of times that's why she's not in all the movies mm. uh natalie portman fucked off because she was upset with how they were treating her and now she's only now coming back because of taika waititi and what they're doing in thor rag or uh love and thunder mm. and then now this with scarjo and like the whole not having a black widow movie for this whole time it's it's it is, I'm not saying 100% it's because, you know, Disney doesn't love women, but it's very, you can raise an eyebrow to how this is going down. There's definitely a culture going on that I think is, you know, maybe not being discussed too much. It's
0: almost like there's a uh, industry-wide misogyny issue. No. What? <laughs> that needs to be addressed. Not in Hollywood. I just think I've identified something that might need taking a looking at. That's all I'm saying. The three white dudes here at streaming things yes. think maybe somebody <laughs> should look at it. sexism. Yes. P- bring it in, guys. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did, did it. it. We did it. Uh, that's all of the news I have here this week. Uh, thank you all for joining us for Check the Gate. And now that brings us to our feature review, the one that we've all been waiting for. Oh, my God. Bated breath. The one. The only. Andy's baiting. I mean, no, he's sorry. I'm, he, I'm, I'm, he has baited. I'm good now. I'm talking about Green Knight. Oh, it got really creepy there. So we all went as a trio to see the debut of Green Knight last night. Directed by David Lowry, you might recognize from Ain't Them Bodies Saints and A Ghost Story. But this time, sans Casey Affleck, and with Dev Patel instead, he has adapted the ancient tale of Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. Have you seen those t-shirts on Twitter that says Dev Patel Summer? I want one so bad. No, but I want one.
2: (laughs) That sounds great. I would take one of those. It's not Hot Girl Summer. It's Deputal Summer.
0: summer. Which was a tale written by Anonymous in the 14th century. Very interesting idea to adapt. They anonymous. call him the uh, Sir Gowan Poet. It was really interesting.
2: that just popped up Anonymous on that Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Or in in the title cards for that. Generally,
0: it's just the Gowan Poet. Or they just say who it was translated by. Anonymous is cleaner if you're already calling it Green Knight, and then have a character mm-hmm. named Gowan the whole time. Did you did you hear a Garwin, or was that just like a dialect thing? Uh, it's like uh, old English or
2: Middle English pronunciation. Garwin, yeah. Um, the I'm not the dude that was playing Arthur absolutely was saying Garwin, and at first I was like, oh, he. You know, it's King Arthur. He doesn't know he's his name. He's a
0: phenomenal but. actor. What is his name? Look him up for me, because he's the one that's in uh, Mission John Impossible. Harris. John Harris. That's Sean. Sean. Right. Sean Harris. Ethan. <laughs> Harris.
2: Ethan.
0: <laughs> Did you like my fake recognition? John Harris was yeah. right <laughs> on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> it's, it's Sean, dude. He is from really good. He's yeah. such. Oh good my actor. god, he got the voice. to it. Ethan mm-hmm. Hunt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Garwin. Garwin. Go slay the Green Knight. I would, but my body. So I would jump over the stable, but my body would not follow.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's yeah, what I, I say in bar line. fights as well. Oh, I would fucking go fisticuffs cuffs with you, sir. But I, my body, would I gotta not be follow. home at ten. <laughs> oh, you're lucky. Uh, so anyway, we're gonna do some general non spoiler uh, reactions to the film. I mean, we've been waiting for this movie for over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start off with Andy. What is your, your general thoughts on Green Knight? No spoilers. I absolutely loved Green Knight. I was honestly blown away by it.
2: I thought that it was absolutely gorgeously shot. I thought it was fantastically acted. I went into it um, with middling to high expectations, and they were met and way surpassed. I thought that uh, it was occasionally plotting. I'll admit that. I I thought that it was occasionally like, okay, that's a pretty long shot. Slap that on the VHS cover. (laughs) Occasionally plotting (laughs) Andy (laughs) Casson. Four stars. Um, No, uh, I I thought that it was fantastically acted, and it works wonderfully as an adaptation. I don't want to go too far into that right now because it's hard to talk about that without going into spoilers. Um, I also feel like I was i benefited a lot by being pretty familiar with the sir gowan and the green knight story beforehand having studied english in college um i was assigned to oh, read. are you an english major oh yes andy are you an english major um, i'm gonna bring that up for the 14th or 15th mm, your tweed sweater vest is Look telling the me you on are <laughs> <laughs> oh it's right there i pointed to the sean of the dead
1: <laughs> yeah. <when> <laughs> only the people on tiktok <laughs>
2: now <laughs> um, Uh, So I think that being familiar with the source material uh, does, does you a lot of good uh, going into it um, because it sets a certain type of expectation. And so I went into it expecting an Arthurian legend that deals, it doesn't deal nearly as much with plot as it does with dealing with um, expressing themes and exploring um, morality. And I think that it did that beautifully. Um, I, I think that it, works better than any other Arthurian legend that has ever been adapted to film that stays true in a way that none at no other adaptation has managed to do without picking a side. It's great. But I think that it is absolutely going to be extremely divisive. I think that it's going to be a critics love it and the audience hates it. I'm expecting that the audience score versus the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes is going to be vast no, the, on the uh, Valley Between Them. Mm, IMDb. The valley betwixt. On IMDb, it currently has a 7.8. So, pretty good. Uh, not bad, not yep. bad. Generally, it's like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic that get review bombed. That's where the bros go. That's, That's where the bros it. go. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be interested to find out. But ultimately, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Now, as I've had time to sit and percolate on it for a little bit, um, there are things that I've kind of come to nitpick, but I'll get into that in spoilers. Um, but I, I had a blast.
0: Steve, what were your thoughts on Green Knight as you sat next to me, a little tipsy? Yo, First off, I got to tell yeah. the listeners, Steve showed up a little drunk to the theater. <laughs> awesome, um, and I only bring that up because it's funny because he's coming. It's out. Usually he, my job. He wasn't like stumbling, right? He had his pretzels. I'm he's just he's like happy. having a good time. But we're watching the previews, and, <laughs> and we we see the preview for Lamb, and he's having just a giddy old time. Just cannot believe that this movie exists. Looks oh so excited. God. But I, then Candyman drops. We watch that whole trailer. And everything's silent. I'm chewing my Reese's pieces and my popcorn. And we're actually sitting next to a stranger because of the orientation of the theater. And there's some other strangers to my right. And Steve, as the lights dim all the way from the Candyman trailer, everything's silent. He goes, Candyman! <laughs> as loud as he can. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone erupts in laughter, even all the strangers. Candyman! And I, and I was, it put me in a mood that would later be dampened by a Green Knight. Oh, but no. I was very happy. Well, it's a dour Dude, film. I, you can't lie to me about that.
1: I haven't been, um, you know, I haven't been like high or anything like that in like well over 10 years. Did you smoke but weed yesterday? No. <laughs> no, I was, you know, I was buzzing. Mm. but like being but buzzing in the theater and watching the trailer for lamb is the closest thing i've been to like having a drug trip and so cause i'm just like this is amazing
0: <laughs> every time they would go to a close-up shot of one of those lambs in the trailer i was like they're was talking that, i'm sorry i know this is a green night discussion was that not the most bizarrely edited trailer you've ever seen in your fucking life oh uh, it was, it was like a minute and a half with 50 seconds of it like pure horror film they even used the like like the discord and violin and I the ticks that are rampant nowadays, and all the horror trailers. Yeah, <tick tick tick I still think Titan nar- is the weirdest trailer I've seen in a while. So. You shut your damn mouth about Titan. That trailer looks amazing. It's going to be the best movie. I mean, ever
1: it is a strange trailer.
0: It, it is to strange. admit. Sure, um, I'm just saying it wasn't though. At the end of it, it was an indie comedy. It cuts to a close up of a lamb, and it's like. And then there's all these mirthful people like, ha, 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 we've got a lamb. And I was like, wait, 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 does this switch is this a different movie now with the same animal? Uh, anyway, I'm sorry.
1: No. Uh, it, so this movie, Green Knight, I feel the exact same way about as I do David Lowry's other movie, A Ghost Story. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that I think is really, really like it's technically sound, it's really good. I really appreciate the boldness of some of the artistic choices. I think the acting is really, really good in it. I think it looks really pretty. Um, but I will probably never watch it again, hmm. uh, just because it is a confounding movie. Like as I was watching. And again, I'm a little tipsy while we're watching this. So there were some scenes where I'm just like, i have no fucking idea what's happening right mm-hmm. now. I'm so lost. I'm so confused. And we'll get into why in the spoiler section, but I was, uh, there was very specific scenes. Like even now to this day, because I don't have an English degree, like Andy mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and pointed at the shot of the dead poster because I don't have an English degree. I, I honestly was not super. Um, uh, I didn't know a lot about the poem and, since i've seen the movie i've i've gone and like researched and like what is i actually listened to a podcast uh today uh called in our time by the bbc where they talk about the poem specifically And it's just a bunch of well scott what do you think about this stanza here (laughs) do you think the religion plays a big metaphor into the and it's just all that back and forth but um i love that
2: voice so much
1: (laughs) thank you uh it so I didn't have a lot going into it. And as I was, I was very confused in some sessions, but as I thought about it, a lot of it has kind of made more sense with context and it's given me a more of an appreciation for some of it. But again, at the same time, I do like it say more than like the lighthouse, which was an equally crazy, a 24 film that I just absolutely love the technical aspect of it. but I'll never watch that movie again. It was too goddamn weird and long and, and just like, <laughs> you're fond of me lobster, ain't you? <laughs> I still never
2: seen that. That's a big miss for me. I need to oh catch
1: yeah. That's a,
0: that's a good one. You, you, uh,
1: I just I mean, this isn't a big endorsement coming from me because I just said I'll never watch it again. But everyone should see that movie at least once, especially if you're into like technical side of filmmaking. It's a beautiful I feel the same way about Green Knight. And yeah, and I should
0: watch it for sure.
1: And Green Knight's the same way. Like in Ghost Story, there's what, like that 10 minute long uncut shot of uh, Rooney Mara eating eating a pie pie. Yeah. Like imagine that happening in this movie. But instead of uncut, uncut shots, there's actually like they sit in scenes the, like a lot of these scenes seem to they feel like forever. But there's like a ton of cuts in them. They're like, you know, Depp Patel's looking at a sword all woefully. There's Arthur. There's Depatel. There's the queen. Oh, this is like one frame of moss. And then, like, oh, one frame of of, of, of woods. And oh, fog. Random title card. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which I couldn't read some of them because they're like in that super ye old English font, mm-hmm. but they're like super artistically done to the point. Where I'm like, what the
2: fuck's that saying? <laughs> yeah. When they did the uh, series of Sir Gowan and the. Um, like they jumped through like six or seven different fonts. And so they showed the first one. I read Sir Gowan and then cut to the next one. And I was
0: like, does that say the green Knight?" And, then it's, the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still said, like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, the one that said, um, um, a beheading at the chapel or something. It said beheading. It took mm-hmm. me forever to read the, that. Oh, it says beheading. Saying, I thought it was an H <laughs> mm-hmm. heading. <laughs> 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 um, but, I'm
1: uh, St. Minifred yeah that was the one i was that super was really proud to, that was one i was really proud of when i was Winifred. that's what it says <laughs> that's I a w guys guys follow me Candyman, Candyman. uh <laughs> no that's it's it's a good movie i probably won't watch it again it's definitely a movie you watch for art um and for those of you who lived uh in, in the mid 20 teens you do get the age-old answer so to anyone older than five yeah you do get the the answer we've all been waiting
0: for, and that is, what does the fox say? We do find that out in this. I thought movie. he said "ring a ding, 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 ding," but in uh, fact, he says whatever he says in this movie. We can't spoil achi, it. Achi yeah. <laughs> I'll pass beyond this stream. And he said when he's talking to the giants. <laughs> but uh, Chris, you, uh, I feel like you uh, have something to say about this movie. No, no, I'm much calmer than last night. No, no, no. You can talk shit. <laughs> no. So I went on, I'll tell, I'll be, I'll be honest now that there's like film buffs listening, I'm a little shyer, but I'll have to be honest. I had a rant after the film, um, where I felt like, <sighs> here's what I'll say about, I, w- I won't say that. Cause I've had time to think about it. Right. I was upset. I was bored through long stretches of the green night. Um, and I felt like it was unnecessary. And so therefore I was angry. Like I could see where you know, not to like question David Lowry about people like, who am I, who the fuck am I, but I, in my <laughs> chair, eating my Reese's pieces, I was like, should have cut there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that could have been two minutes shaved off right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and given me the same effect because the cinematography is absolutely stunning. Um, the lighting is cr- like, they shouldn't have even have done it the way that they did it. And the fact that they did it that way and made it work means that there's better. Does that make sense? Are <laughs> they doing like a lot of natural light? I think so. I mean, the, there's parts of it, like in the fog, in the, the chapel specifically, the way the light was coming in as the sun rose. I was like, holy shit. I feel like that would be the biggest compliment ever to the person
2: that actually did light it. Yeah. Well, I was thinking did more
1: specifically all the scenes in the castles. Yes. Because they're so dim. Yeah. And you just get that one little hole of light that comes through that's lighting just like I know it's people. the dark
0: ages and you're not supposed to want to live there. But I have never not wanted to be in a time period as much as I did didn't like i almost made a terrible joke but yes so i don't want to live in the middle you know, it looked dim and dark um but so it's gorgeously shot the score is incredible i mean it absolutely takes me there at the, the entire film that score did some heavy um, lifting and you get like you know was sean harris uh-huh sean harris John. Uh, Joel Edgerton, uh, Alicia Vikander was in it as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're all just doing top-notch performances. It's a great film. It was kind of like uh, Greatest Hits of A24 actors, yeah. which was yeah. kind of took
2: me out a oh, little yeah, bit. Oh,
0: yeah, um, Comes the Night or whatever. It was Joel uh, Edgerton's. Did you yeah, even watch yeah. that movie? Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. It, uh, that was Joel Edgerton's. And then it had the uh,
2: the young uh, Rapscallion that uh, ends up robbing him, who's, I can't remember his name, but it
0: was the kid from... Um, Killing a sacred deer and a bunch of other. There's a bunch of other indie films. Like God, I, I can picture his stupid face coming up a lot. <laughs> um, but so I storm out of the theater because I've been waiting for this for a month and like, I was mad and I don't think it came off well because Andy was like aghast because he loved it so much. But what I was angry about was that in the last 30 seconds, no spoilers, but the last 30 seconds of the film, something happens that retroactively made me love the entire movie and sealed it all as you know i was about to storm out because i thought they were making certain choices with the protagonist that and i had read sir gowan as well in college but don't remember any of it but um they later so i read a film review by david ehrlich who's a a critic that i love and i I was going to read it here but the phone's recording for TikTok right now. (laughs) Um, But essentially I'll paraphrase because it's a beautiful article. You have to go Google it, David Ehrlich. But he uh, basically argues that, that there's three or four interpretations of this Epic poem, right? This, this medieval text written by anonymous from the 14th century. And what David Lowry chooses to do is not take a side on any of those interpretations, but use all of them at the same time. And some of them are exactly the opposite of one another. So hence my confusion throughout this film, like thematically, because he's choosing not to take a side. He's just presenting it um, as it were. And I don't know how I feel about that. I, ultimately, I think that this movie takes work, um, which sometimes is more than OK. It is is OK for it not to be constant bombardment and making it easy for the viewer. Right. Like a film being some work is fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um it's like cloud Atlas. When you read that book, like there's some work, right. But at the end of it, you're like, holy
1: shit. Yeah. I like it when a movie challenges you and like, encourages you
0: to like, Hey stupid, listen, pay attention. Not everything can be Harry Potter, right? Yeah. And just get all comfy and nestle down and be entertained. Um, I need you to get the green knight. But me personally, and I rated it four stars on letterboxd. Uh, and I want to, I saw a tweet earlier today that basically encapsulates my feelings. Is this going to be best. your version of Andy's inception? I think Ten- so. Like I'll end
1: tenant. up you know, t- <laughs> tenant. I, I, I love right, It'll happens. be in my I'm top films right, of the
0: year, right. but I will just do nothing but bitch about it. Uh, but I saw a tweet earlier where the guy very respectfully said, I'm pretty sure I loved it, but I need to watch it again. I'm only 75% sure. So that I'm going to steal his opinion. That's basically how I feel. I'm pretty sure I loved it. But I have a lot of issues. Um, I don't think it was the wisest choice to take no stance. Um, I know Andy feels very strongly about it, and it's it's a good there's a good argument for that. But my thing is, if you have to know the ins and outs and and take a four thousand dollar course on a seven hundred year old poem to really fully grasp this film, fuck you. You failed. You're adapting it for a wider audience. Um, yeah, that's my last stance on that. Here, here. But let's go into spoilers for Green Knight. Everyone who hasn't seen it, fuck off now.
1: You are entering spoiler territory. You're
0: bullshit. Andy, defend yes. thine honor with without spoilers.
2: Okay, so um, let me first... Uh, talk a little bit about my experience watching the film. So as I said, I had to read Green, uh, Sir Gowan and the Green Knight a bunch of times while I was in school. I also did a lot of drugs in school. So when I'm watching <laughs> the Green Knight, I was sitting there like, okay, I remember this. I remember the beginning. I remember that it's uh, the end of the year and uh, they're ha- sitting around telling each other tales and the Green Knight shows up and he says, I challenge thee to a game. You strike me and one year hence I shall strike thee back with the same blow that thou giveth me. And then Sir Gowan jumps Whether up cut on the throat or a slice on the cheek mm-hmm. and <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> uh huh <laughs> um, and so Gow- you're participating Sir Gowan jumps up and he he's a fucking nobody he is uh canonically um Arthur's nephew and he is uh not a sir he, t- he is not a knight. He is—I can't remember what the term is for somebody that. Squire. Is the card, but not a knight. He was not a squire either. He was basically just a hanger-on. He was surf? He was a page. Rich, is before a squire. Nephew. Um, there's some goofy. I don't know. I read it somewhere else. It's not a word that I know. It's a word somebody else knows. A troubadour. <laughs> a, troubadour.
0: <laughs> a minstrel.
2: Anyway, anyway so Sir Gowan jumps up, wanting to, um, you know, at- achieve some kind of glory, and he cuts off the uh, Green Knight's head. And the Green Knight picks his own head up and he says, Okay, dope. I'll see you in a year. And, and fucks off. <laughs> That's in the poem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, Yeah, I remember all this. This is awesome. And then we get to like all of the, this series of the quest that, uh, Gowan goes on and to find the green chapel. And then we get like him being robbed in the woods. I'm like, I don't remember that. And then it gets to like, he sees a bunch of giants. He's like, Hey, can I ride on your shoulder? And they're like, no. And I'm like, I don't (laughs) remember that either. And then he meets, um, Winifred And I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't study at all. Like, I knew I took some drugs, but damn. Winifred was the the, the woman spirit. That was right? the woman okay. spirit. It was played by the uh, girl that was in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, The, 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 the leader of the Flag Smashes. Oh, yeah. that was her, that really. Was her. She's also in Solo, her. right?
1: Yeah. I didn't recognize her without Solo? her frizzy hair.
2: Oh, was she in Solo? Yeah, yeah she's Enfys Nest Ooh, in Solo. I didn't know that. Anyway, um. I didn't remember any of those things. I'm like, damn, I really sucked. And then when they got to an exchange of gifts, I was like, yes, I do remember this. The guy goes, I'm going to go hunting. Whatever I get, the best thing I get, I'm going to give to you. Whatever you happen to get at my house, you should probably give to me in return. It's like, okay, what's going on here? I I remember that. You want sex. And so one of the big themes and um, defending my honor, talking about um, Arthurian legends and stuff. It, it's it's less about plot. It's more about dealing with morality. And so we're talking about seduction. We're talking about the uh, values of Chivalry. knight. This is ultimately a test of the values of Sir Gawain. Are you? Do you have what it takes to be a knight? And and it's a kind of a morality tale for the ages. Um,
0: and she says, "Sir, you are no knight."
2: But so I. I <laughs> Right, yeah. After giving him a hand job is fucking sweet.
0: I assume that's what it was. Was that a hand? They,
2: they literally showed her rub the
0: cum on the towel afterward. Well, they, I saw there the was cum, cum towel. There's a cum shot. Joel Edgerton was very upset. Sir, you owe me a cum rag. <laughs> I know it. I
1: know she gave you a handy. I request mine henceforth.
2: (laughs) But so I I, I say all of this to
1: say... Lay your hand upon thy cock.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't remember the cum rag when I was from from college. Yeah. You
1: know, when we we turned the mics on for this episode, I did not think the words cum rag would be said so
2: frequently. (laughs) I planned for it. I did remember the sash. A buddy of mine was asking about, like, what's it about? I was like, there's like this challenge, this green night, and he's going to cut his head off, and he goes to like some witch and gets a sash or something and it's supposed to protect him. so i remembered the come at least that part of the cum ragged remember <laughs> cum being rubbed on it but Stop I'm saying it <laughs> i didn't remember so much of it and then i read a synopsis when
0: i got i home didn't guys. think there was gonna be so much of it <laughs> i know right? i mean he had previously been chivalrous obviously he was a little backed up quite some time anyway i'm sorry go on and you read a synopsis i read a synopsis and
2: uh, i talked about um the challenge and then um a bunch of adventures that are alluded to, but not described. And then the three, the, the uh, exchange of gifts. I was like, Oh, no wonder I didn't remember that. Cause he made all that shit up in the movie. And I was like, Oh, Oh, Oh wait. So the, oh. the giant and the, the robbery isn't in the, not in it. Oh, okay. Not in it. Um, now I did not bust out, uh, my book to see like how they allude to maybe says something about there were giants and, you know, and just didn't go into any detail and shit. But there was an awful lot that went down in that movie that didn't happen in in the play. But the more I thought about it, I thought that it actually worked really effectively because, um, except for the giants, I still don't understand why the why the fuck those went down. But I felt like it effectively translated the way that an Arthurian legend is supposed to work, where it's supposed to, to show you what it means to what it means to deal with the the beckoning to a higher calling and making yourself achieve something greater than greater than what you are o- almost in a religious sense like uh steve was talking about in his bbc thing like it's ultimately almost like a uh the sinner trying to become a saint type of story um and we deal heavily with that dev patel's character like kind of being a piece of shit in the beginning. And I was really surprised that Chris didn't enjoy it more because I felt like the way that it was filmed, that they kind of used it almost as an allegory for trying to achieve sobriety. And I thought that, uh, it was really effective, like showing him as kind of a debaucherous person and ultimately a coward. And I thought that it worked really well, like showing, showing him, being called to action and him not being up to the task. And I thought that that was really effectively done. And I actually had like kind of an internalized like self-therapeutic moment, like, yeah, oh my God, this is like a really effective way of showing like, face your demons or your demons will still haunt you and ruin your life for the rest of your life. And and, and we get to see that in the movie. Um, I do feel like it fell apart in the third act uh, to an extent. When we get to the Green Chapel and we sit there for like 10 minutes <laughs> L- literally sit there for 10 minutes i was uh very bored um or he's waiting for the green night to wake up mm-hmm. but i i felt like it ultimately effectively made me feel the way i did when i would study something and it would click w- what it was trying to do and i felt i felt that when i was watching green night i feel like you can look at this movie and say, this is what it's about. And someone else can say, no, this is what it's about. And you're both right. Whereas most adaptations of these types of stories choose a side and they say, okay, Sir Gowan is a piece of shit. Let's tell that story. Mm -hmm. And then you can have, you know, a medieval scholar come and watch the movie and be like, that's a failure of an adaptation because that is not what it's about. It's not that he is a terrible person, and that's the story what the story is. It is showing that a ter- it is showing what is a terrible person and it is also showing what is a virtuous person and you're supposed to recognize the juxtaposition between the two and that's what the story is there for. So I thought it was effective. hell
1: yeah, Steve, spoiler thoughts from you? Uh, spoiler thoughts from me. So in my BBC viewing or listening uh they they gave me a lot of you know feedback and context of you know how to tackle this film and i really do like the what do they call it the giving game or something that the exchange exchange of gifts game or whatever um because that's something i didn't quite pick up on when i was watching it i was just like oh lady wants his dick while dude's out hunting that's weird and then like he kisses him at the end i was like i wasn't picking up on this it, I'm, I'm here for it though uh but you know reading into the context of how like he, he does say that line like whatever i'm gonna go get you something whatever you get at the house i also get i did like so they brought up something that i thought was really really cool and i didn't think about so he gets that sash from the lady what does she? What's her name? Does she? Have it's a just lady. It's just lady. She's the lady of the castle. So he gets a sash from her, and the sash purportedly or supposedly gives him like protects him, like mm-hmm. he can't die if he's wearing the sash. And really, like she's trying to like bone him for assuming a couple days, and then finally she gets. <laughs> they do the hand job thing when she's like, "Don't you want the sash? You won't die." And He's like, "I do want it," and so like it, he succumbs to his unchaste ways with her specifically because he's afraid of facing the night and you know dying mm-hmm. um and i and i like this idea of like he's trying to be this chivalrous dude he's trying to be a good knight of, of high moral fiber and he's failing he's these tests pretty consistently not so much i don't even want to go as far as say he's like a terrible person per se he's definitely just a flawed person trying it's to be terribly human Terribly human. I like that. Yeah, that's perfect. And so he... he It's interesting because he beheads the knight in the beginning. And the knight didn't say, like, you have to behead me. He literally just said, like, strike me and I'll just, you know, I'll return. He literally could have gone up to the green knight and just booped his nose. and it was then another make,
2: temptation, I feel like. Like a temptation of
1: glory. Like yeah. st- sticking his head out. Because yeah. that whole room is charged with these, like... You know big knight guys they all like draw their swords when he first comes in and king arthur's like i'm gonna kill you but my money well, yeah else.
0: And king arthur even looks around and says look at these men among you and he's like "Then dev patel you know Gawain's like legends you know it's yeah he, he does a really good do- job of establishing how he feels like he doesn't belong in this company like, right like the briefest of cut over to merlin and, shit, and
2: i'm yeah. like oh that
1: was fucking him where'd he go <laughs> Marilyn, come back! Uh, but he, they set that up really well because he doesn't have to kill the knight, but he's trying to impress these, these legends. And so he kills him. And then, he, you know, how should he know that the Green Knight's going to pick up his head and be like, all right, next year, later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's obviously scared because he knows that the blow that is going to be returned to him in a year is it's going to cut his head off. Mm-hmm. And that is scary because he knows he can't survive that. So the temptation of giving in to getting this magical sash is appealing. But at the same time, he almost feels like it's, there's like a dishonor to getting that robe. Like he almost feels more dishonorable about having the invincibility sash than say, sleeping with this dude's lady, you know? Uh, And and then at the, the ending sequence, I almost feel like that's a big part of it. Like I don't need the sash and you know, I shouldn't have taken this. When really it's another mistake because you know, he's, he feels like it's dishonorable because he's like using this magical item t- to protect him when really like that wasn't part of the agreement in the game either. Like he could, why wouldn't he be able to use that? The green knight is literally a magical being who can just like live. So why can't Sir Gowan put on a green mm-hmm. sash and also survive that? You know, I thought that was really interesting. And, um, the, uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of losing my thought here, but I, I did like, I,
2: I do like that part of the movie the best. True. Sure. Um, I think that that exchange uh, with Joel Edgerton when he says uh, he, he kind of like calls out the morality of the film when he says like so what you're just going to go there and you're going to face this trial and then magically be the man you want to be or something na- like that. yeah mm-hmm. now now you have honor and he's like yes it's like you're just a changed man yes mm-hmm. well and then I'm I'm gonna miss the man that you were or something like that and like kind kind of like calling him out for being not no pun intended, but a green night, like being childish about it. Um, I, I, I thought that that was the most effective scene by far and the most beautifully delivered and beautifully written. Uh, that, that, that part gave me chills. I'm
0: getting chills thinking about it. Yeah. This it, is the kind of movie that, and that's why I want to watch it again. Um, you know, what I can say about David Lowery, even though he does frustrate me at times is that his films, I think about them days and days and days afterward and many films i'm like oh that was good and then i do not do that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i laid up late last night thinking about it um, reading reviews and then woke up this morning just kind of kicking around in my head and like am i wrong about this you know but he does certain things and i know i'm not a genius filmmaker a24 doesn't fuck with me at all but there's a scene somewhere in the middle after he re- uh, cuts off the head of the green knight where he's supposed to be um lounging in and riches and glory and isn't really i mean he i guess he kind of is everybody thinks he's cool mm. but other than that there's not much benefit to it um he's like not really quite happy with this. well he's already worried about these he's ill-gotten gains yeah, yeah the, well he's still the, the two, same person the too quick year yeah um but there's a little puppet show that you see in a courtyard and then of him beheading the green knight and then david Lauer is like what in my mind why can't you just have the puppet show cut to Dev Patel uh, womanizing cut back to puppet show, have the little clever um, puppet show calendar turning in the background to winter and then have the green knight cut Dev Patel's head off and zoom in on the puppet, the way that he did leave it like that. Like that's a really good foreshadowing device. That's a brilliant, like it sets the tone. It's creative. It's 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 in time period. You know what I mean? Instead what David Lowry does he has like the wheel turn and then cuts back. And then he shows the original thing again and just really fucking lingers on it. And then shows the wheel turn a second time. And like, you know, it's coming. Like you're going to see the, the puppet green Knight kill Gowan, but he takes forever to get there. And we see like four puppet show cuts. That's what frustrates me about David Lowery. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you were right there and you just had to fucking put an extra beret on and light a second cigarette. And say, you're smarter than me, but you just made it slightly more boring. And what was a brilliant idea? Uh, that's how I feel though. Like, I want to watch it again, but it, mm-hmm. but you're, you're right. By the end, when he, gets to the green Knight, and you get that flash forward or whatever of the, the life he could have had where he goes back like a coward becomes King. He loses his son that he steals from his baby mama and then marries a girl. We don't even know out of nowhere. And then starts wars and then dies a lonely wretched bastard with no honor um, and then he wakes up and he hasn't made that decision. It's like, I'm like sitting back down in my seat. You know what I mean? Cause I'm like, there's no fucking way you made me slog through that marsh for two hours just to have him be a complete piece of shit. Just like he was at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> there's no way. And of course there is no way. Um, he decides to take the sash off and then the green knight kneels and says, good boy. <laughs> you can <laughs> now off with your head. And I, I guess it's kind of left to so interpretation whether or not, he actually cuts his head off. It's kind of not because we know that Sir yeah. Gowan goes on to be a legendary character. So that's all of that is, uh, drastically
2: different than the epic poem. Um, I don't know if you call it epic poem, romantic poem, whatever. Um, so the, uh, the Lord has pretty, uh, pretty, uh, homoerotic vibes in, in this adaptation. Um, the way that worked in the story was like, they had the exchange of gifts. Hey, I brought you this board. What did you get? He doesn't say it out loud, but it's like, well, your wife tried to seduce me. She kissed me. That was the only thing I got. So he gives him a kiss on the cheek and doesn't say anything. Um, and then the next day, he brings him some rabbits. And his wife had tried to seduce him again while he was out. <laughs> and so he gives her two kisses. And then the third night, she, like, tries to seduce him again, but ultimately gives him the sash. And then the the dude comes back with his gifts or whatever, and he just gives him three kisses. He doesn't tell him about the sash. Yeah. And so when, all, when the showdown... Uh, at high noon happens it is uh the the green knight um mocks uh gowan when he flinches as he does in the movie uh and then uh (laughs) steals himself and then uh the green knight gives him a small nick on the neck and then he reveals himself to be that lord of the castle mm-hmm. and he only gave him that nick on the neck because that he withheld the sash and basically you find out that he was turned into the knight by morgan Le Fay, who's like the sorceress from arthurian legend and it's like his sister or something and it was all like a big holiday ruse and what is that a character in the movie morgan Le Fay. morgan yeah. Le Fay is just a character it, of arthurian legend it is but also i discovered uh in the movie it's gowan's mom that was Morgan way okay. at the beginning. That quote unquote summoned. The that's what I was so night. confused that's, about. That's what I yeah. wanted. To, I it makes that's way more sense. The thing cool. that Your mom's a witch, and he gets in the fight at the bar. Leading into the movie, I
1: what? <laughs> uh, I I completely did not understand the purpose of that character. Cause they would cut to her pretty fairly regularly, but seemingly out of nowhere. Like he'd be off fucking around with dude robbing him in the forest. And they would just cut to his mom, like looking at the sky or some shit. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, there's something
0: important about this character that I am not understanding. The vibe that I got even last night, remember I said, I guess she summoned it. Like what I don't understand is who the wolf is or the Fox. Um, But my, the vibe that I got was that he's an irresponsible you know, ne'er do well, rich kid that she's worried about him becoming a piece of shit forever. Cause he's like, where's your boots? And he's like, Oh, is it mass? And she's like rolling her eyes. Like there's like no, mass. Yeah. There's at no point. Do you think he convinced her? Nor is he interested in it? It's going to bed mom. And then she's like, I'm going to stay back from the Christmas party. And there's something like sly about the way she's saying it. And then you see the scene where she blindfolds herself and seems to summon the green knight. So the interpretation I had was that she did all of this to make him become a man. That's what I'm about to the trial of it. Um, so that's
1: why when the movie ended it, it, ended with the song. Now you're on my by Trey Parker.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. man, <laughs> <laughs> man, yes. What a weird, what a weird soundtrack at the end there. <laughs> I sure. did notice that the soundtrack appear, you know, periodically
2: used like classical music straight up. Moonlight Sonata was in that soundtrack at one point. And I was like, I, I had just been
0: trying to learn it on guitar and I was like, yep, those are the net. That's anachronistic that didn't come out for 300 more years. Uh, <laughs> But ultimately, I think I will watch this again just so that I can make sure that I'm right. Um, now, I mean, like I said, I, I love this movie. I gave it four stars. There's so much more in this movie, even with my nits to pick, than I do most think movies. Perio-
2: I think you're right. Periodically, just like their artistic whimsy gets the better of them. There's a shot where it's like this awesome tracking shot, like or maybe a drone shot just flying across this. Beautiful march marsh and then we have this really long we're gonna rotate it hundred and eighty degrees. Mm-hmm.
0: That's why I mean. it's in the trailer. You were you were paying for your parking, but I was I was doing that on the ceiling like rotating and stuff (laughs) walking really slowly making fun of the movie with steve and he's getting a kick out of it
2: like why are you doing this right you're still doing it
1: (laughs) andy you had a really good take on the ending specifically Mm. that i thought was really really good specifically about his head being chopped off and how like he had that vision
2: and how his life ended up the same way anyway Mm -hmm. as a people i think that um it was ultimately him being obsessed with uh safety um, being it, it was become it was the sash, I think, was just an a symbol of self absorption. It was I, a protection of yourself from everything, everything in the outside world, both the good and the bad. And so, every time, uh, once we get to the what ultimately is revealed to be a flash forward, um, we uh we see like like quote unquote sex scenes and stuff, but you know, his new bride won't let he won't let his new bride take the sash off and he's wearing the sash when he's having his portrait done and yada, yada, yada. And I, 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 f- I felt, like it was him ref- it, it was literally like him refusing to grow. And so when we, when we did get him, uh, dying at the end, uh, when he like takes the sash off and his head falls off and stuff, uh, we, we got to see like ultimately his obsession of self-preservation, like, being for naught because your fate is inevitable I think is one of the things that this ultimately trying to talk about but when the uh when when we get him taking the sash off at the end that was like ultimately his growth and so when uh the green knight says now off with your head that is to me ultimately like an off with off with your ego off with the things off with mm. the childish parts of you that you know were holding you back from being the person that you could be and uh I don't, I don't know why I want to bring this up now, but I keep going back to Alicia Vikander. She plays two parts. She plays uh, the uh, girl that he is um, sleeping with uh, back in Camelot. And then she also plays the uh, lady of the castle, which is Egerton. But there's that shot. Is that where, the same girl? Yeah, those are both Alicia oh, Vikander. Oh, man. Um, wow. But there's a shot where uh, before he's going to set out on her quest, um, he kind of gets like this opportunity to be a good person and to, you know, like accept the uh call to you know i don't know responsibility i guess um when she says like what if i asked you to make me your lady you know what would you think of that yes you know, yes what if, for had, marriage. what if i had your yeah. ear, what if i had your ear as well as your cock and like like turns his head and then like uses him as a marionette it's really effective but like when he ultimately doesn't say anything it's fucking beautiful during that flashback or flash forward sequence we get this shot where um It's like her looking at him and seeing like i don't know the scars of the the trials and tribulations that he went through and stuff but you get this lingering shot of her him her looking at his neck where the uh the bits missing and that to me was like symbolic because the whole conceit was that he was supposed to go be beheaded and mm-hmm. I think that her, the necklace that she had given to him with the little bobble on it was supposed to be indicative of, you know, this is the thing that will actually protect you. You being a man and, you know, dealing with the consequences of the decisions you've made, i.e. like, hey, you chose to be with me and yada, yada. Um, but yeah, I thought that it was beautifully done the way that they ended uh, And honestly, I think more effective than the original
1: I'm so glad that you you say all that stuff because it's it's connecting a lot of dots for me because I honestly was usually I can follow movies pretty well but this movie I was struggling with and it could just be because I showed up I showed up kind of like buzz <laughs> it probably didn't I mean, help but at the end of the movie we were leaving like does it look off fo- like out of focus to any of you guys and you're <laughs> yeah. like, no, critical focus whole moon like all right well I'll shut up
0: <laughs> there were two Gowans the whole time <laughs> yeah. you did ask if it was out of focus it's hilarious um, well I think that about sums it up we, we all feel changed and would highly recommend that you see the film. I know this is post spoilers, so most of you have already, but some of you are just true brigands and don't care about spoilers, but um, that's about all we have time for this week. Next week will, of course, be The Suicide Squad. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Happy streaming!